0: Hey everyone, Dave Hagen here. Come on, let's admit it. We've all gotten calls from a creditor or two over the course of our lifetime. Whether it's a car payment that got lost in the mail, or a disputed charge we really didn't feel we should have to pay, or maybe even we're in a really bad financial situation, I'll bet that everyone listening has had at least one credit call. The callers are professionals. How do we deal with them? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan.
0: Hey, thanks, Nick. Now, I want to talk about 16 different thoughts or tips on how to deal with creditor calls today. Now, please understand that these tips apply to most creditors that an individual might have. It doesn't apply to government taxing authorities, and it it doesn't apply to, like, the collection of student loans or bad checks. Or if a creditor's filed a lawsuit, those types of creditors have a different bag of rights. If a lawsuit's filed, we recommend that you immediately consult with an attorney. But if you got some debt to a general unsecured creditor, credit cards, personal loans, that kind of thing, that's what we're talking about here today. That said... How's it best to deal with collection calls? Well, I've got a few ideas. Number one, know the score. Perhaps the biggest way you can even the score when dealing with creditors is to realize that all they can do is call you or ultimately sue you. Frankly, it's a game. They have rules they must follow, you have rules you're supposed to follow. Now it's not a game in the lighthearted sense of the word it's it's more like a strategic chess match where both sides have rules they must follow and the attempt is to get to their desired objective. Creditors can't levy your wages or put a lien on your house without first obtaining a judgment. They can't obtain a judgment without first suing you in court. You can't go to jail for not paying your bills. They can't publish your name in the newspaper and call you a deadbeat. Once you realize this, you've substantially increased your strength when dealing with creditors that are calling you. Now, a creditor will tell you that they can put a derogatory mark on your credit report. Okay, so what? Admittedly, a good credit report's valuable. However, it's, it's far from the end of the world and it'll drop off in a few years. Chances are, if a creditor's calling you, you've already got some negative stuff on your credit report anyway. Remember that you have the money and they want it. The fact that your money is in your possession gives you a substantial advantage in negotiating with your creditors. It's your money. The creditor's goal is to try and tie you up, use your time, and create enough inconvenience, guilt, or pain that you send them some money. Your goal, of course, is to pay your debts. However, if you're not able to meet that goal, then you must develop a plan to protect your sanity and your assets. Number two, don't lie. Don't lie to a creditor about your financial situation. Admittedly, if you're already in financial trouble, you may want to present your financial situation in as bleak a terms as possible. However, never make a misrepresentation to a creditor. They'll hold it against you later. Don't make promises unless you are absolutely sure that you can keep them. A common creditor strategy is to get you to commit to something and then use it against you when you can't keep your commitment. Simply don't commit in the first place. Number three, have a plan. How many times have I said this in these podcasts? Have a plan. You may want to develop a plan with the assistance of an attorney or a financial advisor, but you need to have a plan or strategy as to how you intend to get through this difficult time. Do you just need some additional time to pay these debts? If so, you might adopt one type of strategy in dealing with creditors. If you know that you won't be able to pay the full amount but have some assets, you may be able to adopt a plan where you sell some assets and attempt to settle with your creditors for less than the full amount due. It may be that your plan is simply to go bankrupt and avoid the debts. If this is the case, you'll adopt an entirely different strategy, probably with a bankruptcy attorney. But the point is, have a comprehensive plan. Just don't wing it call by call. And certainly, don't ignore the call. Number four, don't threaten bankruptcy. Bill collectors are threatened with bankruptcy in almost every call they make. A threat of bankruptcy is almost like a boy who keeps calling wolf. Don't mention bankruptcy unless you're fully prepared to go through with it. However, if bankruptcy is a legitimate option, uh, tell the creditor that you're exploring it. If they ask you if filing a bankruptcy is a consideration, admit it as it may give you some leverage. Don't threaten it if you're not fully prepared to go through with it. Number five, never tell a collector where you bank or work. I don't know, is this obvious? But you should never do that. Never send a creditor a check or draft directly from your bank. If you do, the creditor will know exactly where you work and bank and and then be able to go directly after your money if they ever obtain a judgment against you. If you make a payment to a creditor, get a draft from another bank. Get a cashier's check. If a creditor asks where you work, simply decline to answer. Don't feel guilty about not giving them this information. They'll use it against you later if they can. You don't have to answer the question. Why make things easier for them if they sue and get a judgment? Number 6. Avoid responding to the pressure of urgency. Bill collectors will attempt to get you to take some action based upon a perceived urgency. Resist these types of pressures. Never send post-dated checks to any creditor. They may deposit them early, causing you problems with the bank. If you later decide not to make the check good, they'll attempt to use that against you. If the check bounces, you may have liability for writing a bad check. Never allow a creditor to take money directly out of your checking account. I see this often. Don't do it. It's usually unnecessary to send money via overnight mail. Explain to the creditor that you'd rather have the charges for the overnight mail. Go to them rather than spending on an overnight mail source. They'll try to get you to send the money right away because they don't want you to change your mind. Resist the urgency pressure. Number seven, never cash advance. Never, never cash advance. If you pay on one account with a charge against another and you later need to file for protection of bankruptcy... The creditor upon which the most recent charge was placed may ask that the debt be declared non-dischargeable as it was incurred at a time when you were in a financial problem. This is called bankruptcy fraud. The same is true for cash advances. Moving debt from one account to another or cash advancing significantly increases the chances you could have trouble making all of your debt go away in a subsequently filed bankruptcy. It's also extremely expensive to cash advance. Look at your credit card statement. Chances are you're paying a separate higher interest rate on cash advances, and they charge a transaction fee as well. Number eight, offer to give back the collateral. If you purchase something from a department store and use their credit card for the purchase, there's a good chance you posted as collateral the item that you purchased. It's called a purchase money security interest. An example of this might be purchasing an appliance from Sears, if they're still around. If this is the case, you may offer to give them back the collateral if they agree that you don't have any further liability. Creditors don't do this too often. However, in extreme situations, they might. Make sure you confirm in writing the fact that you have no further liability on the account if you return the merchandise. If you do make this agreement, they could later sue you for the difference between the balance on the account and the value of the collateral that was returned. Make sure you commit this to writing. Number nine, get a discount for cash. If you're offering to settle your accounts and they're significantly past due, you'll get a much better deal if you offer a one-time lump sum payment. If you can pay in one lump sum, creditors will generally accept 30 to 80% of the total amount due. While creditors may vary on the amount which they'll accept, we found that the average cash settle amount for a pot of debt, a group of creditors, about 60%. If you're asking for payments, we found that creditors will usually want a much higher percentage on their account, typically 90% or more. Creditors won't give you a cash or lump sum settlement and then give you payments. It's usually got to be one or the other. Number 10, get the interest waived. Now, a lot of times when you're talking with the creditor and you're gonna start negotiating with them, the first thing they're gonna do is take the principal amount due plus the interest that's accrued, plus the costs that have accrued, and then they add that together and that's the top end number that they're starting with. You need to make sure that you get them to waive that or take that off and that you're negotiating from the principal amount. That's the actual dollars that are actually due. Again, these are little tricks. Don't fall into these little tricks don't get trapped negotiate from the principal amount that's due number 11 don't allow abusive collection tactics now there's federal and state law that really regulates what people can do. They can't take threats of actions which they're not entitled to take. They can't threaten to send you to jail. They can't say that they're gonna sue you if they don't have any intention to do that. No one should ever use obscenity in any of their calls. They can't make multiple calls to harass you. They can't call late at night or early in the morning. There's all sorts of things that they can't do. If you have a problem with this, like this with a creditor, go to the internet, get a list of all the things that they can't do, and you send them a letter stating that under federal law, you don't wish for them to contact you anymore. At that point, they can't even contact you. And if they persist, then you can sue them for damages. You can even do this without an attorney because you can take them to small claims court. Number 12, put someone else on the phone. If a creditor's giving you a hard time or they're being abusive, tell them, hey, I'm going to have someone sit on the line with us just to hear what's going on and to monitor what's going on. This makes the creditor really behave a lot better and it has a second voice on your end of the line, gives you a little bit of assurance and power as you're talking with the creditor. Number 13, don't let creditors make unsupported statements. Don't assume that the collector knows the law and what they can and cannot do. If they make a statement, ask them why that's so. If they state that a payment must be received by the end of the month, ask them why. Get them to tell you. If there's a reason, you'll know. If there's no reason, you will have called them on it. Always get the name of the person that you're dealing with. Now, remember that many times, in fact, most times, collection agencies let their collectors use an alias name. However, having an alias name is still better than having no name at all. Number 14, confirm agreements in writing. If you talk with someone on the phone and make a deal for a cash settlement, you need to get the name of the person that you're dealing with and you need to confirm that agreement in writing. And that agreement needs to go along with your settlement check. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years that have settled for 50 cents on the dollar and then the creditor comes back and says, now what about the other 50 cents? You've got to confirm that it settles the account in full. Number 15, understand the bill collector's motivation. Remember that they're paid usually based upon how much money they collect. They're not trying to do you a favor. They're not trying to be your friend. They're just trying to separate you from your money and get you to pay in your account. Because they usually get a percentage of what they collect, they're usually pretty aggressive and annoying in the beginning, and then their interest usually drops off. If they obtain a judgment, they'll put a lien on your house or garnish your wages. If they garnish their wages, the worst that can happen is they can take 25% of your wages, at least in California. Only one creditor at a time can garnish your wages in California. While this may be very difficult for most, it's not the end of the world. Realize this when you're dealing with the creditors. Understand their motivation. It's a volume game for them and use that to your advantage. Number 16, get an attorney. If somebody really gives you a hard time, if you can't handle them, get an attorney. Now, I know you're going to incur fees, but you try and pick an attorney that won't bill quite as much or that's got some expertise in this area and can do it quicker, but Discuss this budget with your attorney ahead of time before they start taking actions on your behalf. Sometimes, but not all the time, being represented by an attorney can make the extra difference in coming to an agreement with the creditor. If all else fails and they file a lawsuit, fine, you file an answer. There's a trial typically in 6 to 18 months. During any time during this period, you still have the opportunity to make settlement arrangements with the creditor. In fact, many times the collection attorney is more agreeable to settlement than the initial bill collector. Knowing these tips and using them to your advantage should put you on a much more even footing when dealing with bill collectors or calls. Remember, if you feel the situation getting out of hand, you should at a minimum consult with a lawyer. And don't fret. All they can do is call. You're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast.
1: You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagan.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your app. You will automatically get a reminder each time Dave uploads a new episode, or you can use the app to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, let's do some emails, Nick. What do you think? All right, Dave. So this one says, Hey Dave, it seems like I'm getting more and more calls on the cell phone in comparison to my landline. Is it still necessary to have my landline these days? Thanks, Sydney.
0: Boy, I don't know. I think a landline is becoming like a you know, like a rock or something. I think more and more people are turning them off. Who needs to pay that extra $30, $40 a month? It's like, what's the point? Well, yeah, I mean, anyone that calls me on my landline is someone typically I don't want to talk to, right? The people that I want to talk to have my cell phone number. Right. We turned our landline off quite a while ago, and we were able to set it up so that the old uh, landline number that we'd had for years and years and years just got automatically forwarded to one of our cell phones. And really, I mean, there, there's no one that really has that number anymore. I don't know that people even call it anymore. We kind of hang on to it. Um, you know what I use it for is when I go to the supermarket and they want like your phone number. The put, Ralphs Rewards, right? I put in the old landline <laughs> number because I, you know, I just don't need people knowing what my my phone number is and calling me on my cell phone unless I know who it is. So um, no, I think it. I think it's time to turn it off. And I and I think that the um, uh, the companies that provide that kind of service are going to have a hard time going forward because fewer and fewer people want that now. Some of them will tell you, well, in an emergency, it'll still be a powered system.
1: Sounds like my grandpa, Dave. Yeah,
0: but you know, in an emergency, you're going to have your cell phone, and it'll still probably work. Although the cell phone network would be um, supercharged with with traffic. But I don't know. I think I think I'm comfortable with not having that ability. And you can call fire department. You can call the police department on your cell phone. It works. It works just as well. I tell you, what's really cool. Lately, I've been uh, setting up uh, Alexa around the house, and it it it'll dial out.
1: Is Alexa your new maid?
0: Yeah, Alexa's this. <laughs> who, who makes this thing? This uh, dot.
1: I, I think it's Microsoft or, uh, or Google. No, it's
0: not Microsoft it's or Google. Google. Even it's Amazon.
1: Um, uh, Amazon. It's Amazon. right.
0: And you know, like a fifty dollar dot, and you say, "Hey uh, Alexa, dial or whatever," and it and it dials it. You don't even have to use the phone. So super super handy, and um, set it up. F- with my folks so that all through the house if they ever had an issue and dad's 90 and and mom's like 87 um, if they fall you know if they need to tell someone I've fallen and I can't get up they don't have to worry about the thing around their neck they don't have to worry about the cell phone they you know uh, the, the, the Alexa picks it up and dials me
1: Yeah, but I'm assuming Alexa's hooked up to your cell phone, not the landline. Correct, Correct? absolutely. Yeah, I I mean, I think the landline's just becoming obsolete almost.
0: Almost seems like it. To
1: where you just don't even need it anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah, kind of like a car phone. Remember how cool those were? I don't know anyone that has a car phone anymore.
1: I remember when I was about 10 years old, God knows how long ago when, and my grandma was driving around in her nice, posh Mercedes, and she had this phone in the middle console and i'm like
0: wow that is really cool right right or even crazier um <laughs> pager <laughs> <laughs> all right anything else what do you got
1: yeah this one actually comes from one and one says dave i keep on getting these calls about these timeshares and they keep on giving me these sales pitch i i don't want to be rude by hanging up on them but i honestly just feel like they're taking up my time what do you think
0: well, Juan, you know I don't want you to be rude and hang up on them, although that's that's the the first thing that you want to do. But let let's think about their motivation for a minute for making those calls. Why do we continue to get those calls? Because they make money on making the calls. The few times that people sign up or listen, and and they're making they're making money. So rather than hang up or be rude or report them, and you know certainly you, there's a no call list you can sign up for. But I don't know how that works all the time anyway. So, um, you know what I do? I just, um, I put the phone down and I walk away, use the restroom, go cook up a couple eggs, whatever.
1: Wait, after you pick up the phone,
0: after I pick up the phone, I go, hi, ba, 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 And I go, oh my. I just put the phone down. I don't hang up. I just put it down and that burns up their time. And that takes away from the profitability of what they're doing And that encourages them to stop making the stupid calls. So that's, that's what I do. And I'll tell you what's even more frustrating is that now they've got computers that have voices that sound so realistic. Sometimes you're not sure whether you're talking to a machine or a a person. And sometimes I'll go, is this a person? Is this a person? And they keep going, is this a person? And you go, wow, this is really an insistent and rude person, or it's a computer, so I just I I put it you know I just put it down. I just don't want to deal with that. Um, but I think that discourages them from making the calls because if their calling sequence slows down, the profitability will go down, and maybe it'll go down so much that they'll stop making those calls. Or,
1: or maybe they'll just put down a personal note: "Do not call this person. He will waste your time." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, really. You know, I mean, I've I've had calls where you know I'd. I tried saying rude stuff or I, I tried to, you know, question them or query them or, you know, engage them or whatever. And it, it just never it never worked. They, they do this for a living the, when you get the live calls. So I just put it down and, you know, if I pick it back up and they're still talking, I go, oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, you know, I went out in the backyard to check the view right. and now I'm back. Uh, what? What? Um, you know, I mean, you don't want to spend a lot of your time engaging them either. But that's why I think just setting it down. Let them talk it out, and they they always hang up.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and this is just me personally. If I don't know the number that's calling me, I just don't pick it up. If it's someone important, if it's someone who needs to call back, they'll leave a message.
0: Yeah. I have a little different mindset because if I don't recognize the number, I go oh my goodness, maybe that's Ed McMahon and I've won a million dollars. <laughs> you never know. It's a, it's that that excitement of you know something unexpected happening. The unknown. Yeah, yeah, but you you just soon not deal with it at all. So everyone's got their own different approach, yeah. but that, that's what I do. I just set the phone down.
1: All right, Dave, I think that's uh, about it for today.
0: All right, well, let's wrap it up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Keep coming back. If you want to uh, send us an email, the email address is at the end of the podcast today and uh, we'd love to keep responding to your your emails this is dave hagan and you've been listening to the financial wellness podcast
1: you've been listening to the financial wellness podcast dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success if you'd like dave to answer any of your questions email them to dave at davidrhagan.com until next week This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.